Welcome to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. Romans 12.1 I urge you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living, holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. We're in Genesis at the moment, actually working our way through Genesis on a a sermon series called New Beginnings. But first, a story. It was a beautiful uh, September day. Winter was almost over. The sun was shining, but not too hot. And spring was in the air. My job for the day was to install about 20 stay posts into strainers around a block of newly planted pine trees. I was almost 21. And the the temporary helper that Dad had hired was in his late 20s helping me. He was an Australian and he married a local Kiwi girl. So we got on fine (laughs) most of the time. But I'm sure he resented me perhaps being uh, the boss and being younger at times. My dad was very ill, and as it turned out, he only had a week to live at that stage. Well, we prepared the first day, chiseled the hole in the strainer and made a beautiful cut on the stay, and uh, tried to make it fit nice and snugly, and then I proceeded to explain where Jonesy, not his real name, could start digging the stay block hole. He said, you're dreaming, mate. (laughs) And he argued that it was completely in the wrong place. And so we had to have a little discussion. And even though I'd explained the maths behind it and said that I'd done this dozens of times, he dug the spade in the ground and stormed off. Proverbs 12 verse 1 says, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. So I've called this message, uh, New Beginnings, Developing a Teachable Spirit. If we want to grow in faith and worship acceptable to God, we begin with gratefulness and by being teachable. I believe. So we'll turn to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis 4, if you've got your Bibles. I just love the character and the goodness of God that we see in Genesis 4, this, uh, this account of Cain and Abel. Let's read. Now the man had relations with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. And she said, I have gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. And again, she gave birth to his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground, and Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of his flock, and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering, but for Cain and for his offering, he had no regard. 
So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, you will not, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. So after witnessing all that God had made, in a sense it must have been an incredible moment when Adam and Eve birthed this first human child. Man, they must have just been tempted to think, wow, look what we've created. But what Eve just said then was very powerful. I have gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. You see, she gives glory to God for this incredible event in verse 2. And in verse 2, we skip some time. All the ladies are going, yes. We skip some time and she's blessed with a second son. You see, the spiritual key here is that when we give thanks for the first fruits, God blesses and adds to our joy. You know, um, he adds to, to the first thing that we, we acknowledge. It's very important what we do with our first fruits, with our first success, with our first compliment, with our first paycheck. It's very important what we do with our first hour in the day and the first day in the week. Amen? Very important, this first fruit principle. Verse 3, so the boys grew up into farmers, one more gifted with livestock and one more able to grow the fruit of the ground. But there's a problem when it comes time for offering thanks and worship. Notice the first difference. Abel brought the firstlings of his flock. Like his mother, he was acknowledging God, i.e., he brought the best. He brought the fattest, healthiest animals and offered them up to God. But Cain simply just brought an offering, the word says in verse 4. You see, God senses this lack of zeal in Cain. Out of duty, he just grabbed a bit of this and a bit of radish and bit of cabbage or whatever, and uh, just to get something together, he just grabbed this and that to, uh, to turn up with something that looked a bit like a, a token offering. And not only is he a bit sort of shamed out, <clears throat> or as we say in Huntley, shame out when God calls it for what it is, <laughs> a shoddy attempt at worship at best, his reaction actually reveals what's really going on in his heart. You see, his unteachable heart is far from God. Abel's act of worship cost him something. It cost him his beautiful animals. What about your offering and my offering? Has it cost us something? 
I just love the story in 2 Samuel 24, verse 24. We're not actually going to go there. I'll just tell you the story where David insists on buying the threshing floor and the oxen off Aranor, the Jebusite, for an altar he's about to build for the Lord. He's in the negotiations and the owner just says, Nah, man, you can just have it. My whole threshing floor and all these oxen, you can, you can have it. You're, you're, you're David. And David turns to him and says, I will not offer the Lord what has cost me nothing. Isn't that a great line? I will not offer the Lord what has cost me nothing. So he pays Aranor 50 shekels, builds the altar, burns the oxen, kills them first, burns the oxen, and the Lord holds back the plague from Israel, the whole of Israel. See, if you've traveled a long way to be here today, and there's um, maybe a few, and there's normally a few more that have traveled a long way to worship, then um, the Lord has noticed that. If it costs you to serve in a ministry, you know, we used to say, yep, leaders normally end up paying most of it. <laughs> but, you know, if it's cost you something to be in ministry, then the Lord will reward you. Our worship needs to come from the heart. It needs to cost us something. So back to Cain. The Lord comes to him as a good father. And he asks him, why are you angry? Man, it'd be great if we dads could always ask the right questions, eh? Why has your countenance fallen? Don't you love that word, countenance? Now, I'm married to an ex-drama teacher <laughs> who can say so much with her face without saying a word. <laughs> and you know when her countenance is up, and perhaps when it's not so up, <laughs> when it's a bit down. And, you know, I just love that word countenance because it's, it's, it's our presence. It's what we're portraying and putting out there to others. Um, you know, there's, there's, uh, that's God's approach to ask, hey, bro, what's the problem? Why are you angry? Why do you look bad? You know? um, and then there's the Kiwi option that we often use, you know, to our boys. Hey, just get over it. Harden up our, snap out of it. And that's what many young men have heard all their lives, constantly being belittled until they fight back. Whereas the Lord offers a second chance. Verse 7, if you want to read it, verse 7. If you get this right, he says to Cain, your whole being will come Come to light. Your whole being will come right. You see, if we thrive, we, we, we thrive physically and emotionally when we're rebuilt spiritually. Did you catch that? We thrive physically and emotionally when we're rebuilt spiritually. Our attitude determines our altitude. Being grateful is the first step. You know, you can teach skills to someone who's teachable. Far easier than to change the character of someone who's always 
right in their own eyes. And I've employed enough people to know that's very true in the workplace. Much better to have a teachable amateur than a know-it-all expert. <laughs> it's also easier to rein in youthful enthusiasm than to stir up apathy. See, Cain was apathetic. He was half-hearted. So God brings the warning, and if you don't do well, he says to Cain, sin is crouching at the door. You see, the nature of sin is to make itself seem small and insignificant, like, like it's crouching at the door. But sin ain't small. Sin also seems to just naturally want to be attracted to hurt and, and offense. If we get offended, if we get hurt, sin is like a magnet. So it quickly attaches itself there. And if we justify small lies by calling them white lies, then we'll tolerate bigger untruths. A small tax dodge soon becomes a big tax dodge. A small compromise morally soon becomes an addiction because that's the nature of sin. A scientist once speculated that if we could eliminate all of the other outside influences, a butterfly flapping its wings in Brazil could technically set off a hurricane in Texas. The theory was that small movements magnified over a long distance become big. Small choices that we make day by day have large consequences projected out into the future, our future. Such is the spread of sin, which is tolerated. And that's the key word, tolerated, because we know sin can be dealt with quickly. 1 John 1, 9, we just confess it. And God is faithful to forgive it, but if we tolerate it. And the same in the opposite we talked about last week, about ripples of grace and truth going out to others and to eternity is true as well. So the opposite is true. You know, so the Lord allows Cain the choice, wanting him to choose life by mastering sin. He says, you've got to master this thing. And you see, we can't cast out the old nature. We've got to die to it daily, starve it, starve it of any new material. Praise God that Jesus did pay for every sin on the cross. Amen. Victory is ours over sin. It's, it's an enemy of the soul, but we have, have a champion who has won the victory. We simply need to daily in, enforce that victory that Christ won for us and master the old nature, starve out sin, die to the old nature. We can't cast it out. It's got to be died to. Sadly, Cain couldn't. 
or wouldn't master it. And as we know, he allowed jealousy to rule until he rose up and killed his brother. So he made a choice that impacted his future. The ripples went out. You know, we're still pretty good at that today, aren't we? It's called the tall poppy syndrome. We destroy, maybe not with a stone or a rock, but we destroy with our words when others seem more successful than us. Let's instead use our words for praise and thanks, being grateful for who we are in Christ, not for what we have or don't have. You see, a committed life is true worship. I started with Romans 12.1 because it's the key to worship, a committed life. I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your, what? Spiritual service of worship. Yes. It's a body presented to God, a living sacrifice, daily being offered up to God as a living sacrifice. When the crowd's doing the, the crowd thing, we don't need to. We've got to say no at times. We've got to put a boundary, a line in the sand. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The battleground's in the skull. No wonder they called the place where Jesus was crucified the place of the skull. The battleground is in our mind. It's the thing that takes a while to change, eh? That you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Only then does this teachable spirit rule our hearts instead of pride is when we've, we've been a living sacrifice. Can you be corrected? Are you easily taught or corrected when you stuff up? Do you often say sorry or find yourself saying sorry? It's probably a good thing. But let's not be a stiff-necked people, eh? Let's be like clay in the hands of the great potter, the master potter. You know, he wants to put us back on that spindle and remold and fashion us again, doesn't he? Time and time again. That's why it's so important to keep a soft heart and a short account with God. You know, it's a real pleasure to work with those who are teachable and those that are keen to move forward, who have died to what they want and are living by faith. Like Abel, genuine in worship. Speaking about moving forward, <laughs> just a quick story. When I was on the uh, board of trustees of the Narrows Park Christian Youth Camp, it was decided to sell off um, the pews in the donated chapel in order to get some more usable space for the kids' camp. The pews were kind of awkward, you know. <laughs> kids didn't want to sit in pews. And I was certain that we'd possibly, no, I was certain that we would get a, a negative response from one of the donors. You know, they'd be thinking, what? Change? Selling things? <laughs> we keep things here. 
But anyway, nothing came. And I asked around a bit. I put out a little bit of a feeler. Does anyone actually object to the pews being put up on Trade Me? And the answer came back, no, they've all passed away. <laughs> I learned that day that when people gain the bigger picture, they don't sweat the small stuff. Back to my fencing friend. He had some time to cool off. And then one day later, he came back and helped me for the rest of the day. <laughs> Doing it my way, I mean the correct way. <laughs> we talked about Sydney house prices instead. Proverbs 15 verse 1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. It's a good one for us to remember, isn't it? A gentle answer turns away wrath. Turns out in the end he was teachable. Just took a while. But it's where we finish that counts. Amen? It's not where we start, it's where we finish. It's how we finish up. God ain't finished with any of us yet. We're a work in progress. So then let's offer God our true worship, which actually includes what we do the other six days of the week. Being a living sacrifice, being honest, hardworking, true to our word, dependable, faithful, teachable, not holding a grudge. This is true worship when we give honour and glory for everything we've achieved to the Lord. And he's our rock, he's our refuge. And let's not bring him anything that has cost us nothing. And let's be a teachable people who master this old nature by being able to be corrected and by bowing the knee daily in acts of service and worship. To me, that's a new beginning for many. Amen? Let's pray. Oh God, we just uh, are mindful of the many, many times we've been a bit hard, stiff-necked. And so, Lord, we, we, um, we repent of that. Pray that we'd be more teachable, able to be uh, able to learn from whoever from the smallest to the greatest. And Lord, we just pray that we would actually bow the knee in our businesses, our education, and our work, caring for other people, social work. Lord, whatever it is that we turn our hand to, manually doing a trade, Lord, we just pray in all these places, we'd bow the knee as it were, and an act of worship to you every day, give you the first of the day, the first few minutes of the day, the first day of the week, to just say thank you, we praise you, Lord. We honour you. We don't have all of the stuff we need in our own, in our own person. We just need you so much, Lord. We, we say you are our rock, our refuge today, and we want to bring you true worship that's cost us something. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. 
please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com.